So hey everybody, welcome to episode 240 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? I'm also joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we have a special treat this week. We're joined by Drew Freeman in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Is that right? That is right. All righty then. So welcome to the show. Hey, be- before we get started, Drew, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself so we know sure. something about you to, you know, so we can interact? Uh, let's see. I have been one of uh, the, the radio disciples now for about two and a half years i've been hosting the the rw podcast uh cool. this we're just going to be uh, releasing the first or the zeroth episode of season nine uh next monday and uh, next wednesday which is which is my birthday uh yeah. Happy birthday. i've been but that's your third season as as host third right? season is going to debut on the third uh i have been programming on the apple platform since i got an apple 2 back in 79 mm-hmm. not a plus not an e not a gssc just two didn't even have floating point basic and have managed to make a career of staying on the platform and convincing everybody that I have a clue what I'm doing. Cool. Well, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. Um, okay. So we uh, quick fact check we had from last week. I mentioned at some point in the show that, that, uh, the original Mac resolution was 320 by 480. I don't know what I was thinking. My, my first Mac was 640 by 480, which was a resolution of the 13 inch uh, color display, RGB color display. But the original Mac resolution was a nine inch screen and it was 512 by 342 pixels, I want to say. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was our fact. 320 by 480 was the original iPhone resolution. Oh, yeah, maybe that's, I can't remember. What, yeah, maybe that's why I said that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I do that all the time. You know, I, I say nine when I mean 10, and they say left when I mean right, you know. Yeah. It's like, as Drew mentioned earlier, it's the it's the old the old synapses yeah. at work. Anywho, so I mean, do we have any ask MTJC? We have a couple. One is, uh, is for me and my, my delightful little meme here of... Uh, you can't be rejected for a WWDC ticket if you never registered for the lottery. With the, <laughs> the helpful animated gif of the guy who's like, you know, tapping to his head like, hey, that's a really smart move. Um, All right. Apparently that, that struck a chord because it had uh, quite a few Twitter engagements on that, according to their, their analytics. So clearly nice, other nice. people felt the same way. So did any of you actually get in? No, I think I'm the only one that applied this year and I did not get in. I have, I, like you, I think you mentioned earlier that you hadn't got in on, on I think on the race lack. I saw that you said you hadn't got in since the lottery started nope. i officially haven't got in since the lottery started but my the first year of the lottery one of my interns uh, got a got a, a seat and we transferred it over to me because he couldn't go well i didn't exactly yeah. not get in last year i had one of the credit card bounce things where they miss took the uh, charge and they were like well you can't pay for it so you're not coming anyway and they gave my ticket to somebody else you're kidding me mm. nope and there was a huge uproar over that and they fixed that this this year so apparently if you had a credit card mischarge you can call up Apple or WWDC support, and they'll see if they can fix that. But only this year. If you had the problem last year, try again next year. Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. I knew that people had tr- would have trouble with their credit cards, obviously, because you know credit cards will sometimes do that if you have a large unrecognizable charge, right? Mm-hmm. I guess that was your case. In, in my case, it was I just didn't warn them that I was going to get a 
$1,500 charge, and they were like, well, we don't know what this is going to be. I mean, somebody may have stolen your credit card and gone to Apple on your behalf. Right. Yeah. And this makes sense as a change to me, because I I can't imagine why there would be such an urgency to get all of these tickets accounted for within that same instantaneous point in time. I mean, 24 hours, 48 hours until the end of the week, just let people solve that. And then, okay, come Monday, we push those people off and give their tickets to the next batch of people that are randomly selected. That seems like a pretty reasonable way to do it, because in this case, I happen to be in the United States. So had I put in the WWDC lottery, uh, you know, put my hat in the ring, it would have worked out because I would have had, you know, a domestic charge on my credit card. But I have run into issues where uh, the normal lockdowns I have on my credit card will work against me, right? Like I think NS North some years ago, uh, Bank of America refused to let me let me purchase a dang ticket because like, hey, we see this weird charge from Toronto. I don't know if we should or Ottawa. I don't know if we should allow that. And so I had to go in and say, yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. It's legit. Please, please move on. And that was with a ticket that didn't have a, oh, so it sucks to be you. We're moving on to the next person. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Banks are funny that way. All right. Um, you have any more? Ask MTJC, homie. We have another one from Alicia Ramirez who asks, how do you feel about public Wi-Fis, cafes, airports, and security? Do you avoid them? Do you use a VPN? This is where we plug TunnelBear. TunnelBear, the VPN client you want to have on your device when you're at a public place or doing something you shouldn't be doing on the internet. Yeah. I don't I mean, like, yeah, they all say that, that, that you know, there are people sitting in, in, um, in these uh, Starbucks and whatever, just snooping the, the network for traffic, right? Or spoofing it or whatever they call that. Sniffing, I guess, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm never really, I never really worry about it too much, but, uh, but I do, I do actually do have tunnel bear, but I don't, I don't think I use it. I don't go to these places other than flying in and out of the country kind of thing. Um, I don't really go to cafes and stuff with my devices. I mean, I use my iPhone everywhere I go. So God help me if somebody's watching what I'm doing there. Right. Do you use cellular when you use your iPhone or do you, do you actually go onto the Wi-Fi network? Uh, well, when I'm, when I'm, yeah, if I'm, if I, if some, if somewhere has, if some place has uh, Wi-Fi, I'll use it. Yeah. But like most of the times I'm on the streetcar and I'm just floating around through the, through the city. So God help me. What, yeah. You know, I'm bouncing all over. Right. Yeah. And on the streetcar, there's like 300 people. So like, and there's all these open iPhone. I could be, I could be airdropping stuff to people on the, you know, on the streetcar all day long and they wouldn't even know what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I generally, I never use my laptop in, in a coffee shop anymore. Um, I just, I just don't do that anymore. If I'm out and about, I'll, I'll either have my iPad or, or my iPhone. And, and generally I, I don't do anything that I care if anyone is sniffing, you know, I'm not looking at bank stuff or anything like that. So if I do though, I, I have, I have tunnel bear also and I'll, and I'll turn that on. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's the, what, what I'm actually doing is what causes me to, to raise up the security of what I'm doing. I was in a, in a cafe this afternoon and I was uh, loading some of my software onto a friend's phone and I had to register his phone over on the, uh, on the Apple developer site. So I, I needed the laptop and I figured, well, I've already got that as two factor authentication. It's not going to have any problem with me getting into that site and, you know, I ramped up my uh, security level and then did it. Mm-hmm. And good old HTTPS for the encryption of the traffic uh-huh. that helps too. And who's not using HTTPS these days, right? All right. Um, so, so speaking of privacy and security and stuff like that, um, I po- I've been talking about using DuckDuckGo for the last month or so. And, and I, you know, to be honest with you, at first couple of days, I, I noticed it was a little different than Google. It didn't quite have that same sort of, you know, uh, smooth uh, sort of look to it. Um, but I've changed my phones over. I've changed my Macs over to DuckDuckGo. And now uh, Google Chrome has added the ability to, for users to add DuckDuckGo to their browsing experience. I guess on, on Safari, we've had DuckDuckGo as an option for a long, long time. But I, I didn't realize that in, on Google Chrome, uh, they didn't have uh, that available to them. So 
I don't know. Well, I'm sure you could you, you, type in the URL and go there directly. Yeah. It's just it wasn't built in. As a default choice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but given that it's Google, I wonder if the integration now means that they get to eavesdrop on your, on your, on what you're searching for on DuckDuckGo and, and uh, <laughs> serve you ads because of that. Now that would be kind of evil, the purpose. Mark. Yes, it would. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about last week about, uh, or two weeks ago, I guess, about uh, the senator going after the Google guy because you could turn off location services, but you couldn't actually turn off location services. Right. If you follow my meaning. Yeah. Yep. So you, you could you could have this, the satisfied feeling that you turned it off and in fact, you hadn't turned it off. So I love Google. All right. Um, and this is just a follow-up, another follow-up item with the announcement of the new AirPod. Are they calling them AirPod 2 or what are they calling these AirPods? The the one with the Wi-Fi charging um, base station thingy. What do you call the little capsule they go into? Nobody knows. Nobody has them. Um, but so, surprise, surprise, after two years since these things came out, the, the batteries are starting to die out on these uh, on the original uh, AirPods. I had a friend of mine at work was mentioning that his battery doesn't quite hold the same charge it used to when he first got them. Um, and he gladly is, I think his just arrived today, his new ones. But uh, yeah, so um, this is a, I, it's kind of a surprise and kind of not a surprise that the batteries would be wearing out after a couple of years. It's not, it's typical of Apple to sort of make claim that you get X amount of life out of, out of a device. But I think I've never actually been able to get the actual uh, amount of hours that Apple says you can get on a device, you know, like the 13 hour MacBook battery and that kind of stuff, MacBook 13 battery. Yeah. Now I, I don't have AirPods because as we've talked about many times, they don't fit in my ears. Right. But uh, can you not replace the battery in these? Is it? No. Well, the new one, apparently I fix it has sort of, they always do a, a tear down whenever they get app, new Apple stuff. And they did a tear down of the new, the new versions and in the, the original versions, I think the, it's kind of, kind of a uh, continuous piece of plastic, like the, down the, mm. the long part to where the microphone is at the end. Uh-huh. Um, and that, you know, that's where the battery is apparently. And um, the new one that the, the new version they just showed, it's, it's got a, a split down the, down the side. So it looks like you can get at the battery to replace that one. But, but then again, they're lithium ion batteries, which are super, which last long and are, you know, uh, they're well-made and that kind of stuff, but like they have a finite life, right? You can only have so many charges on them in any device, right? And, and how big can they be in these, in these AirPods, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at the Apple website. I don't think you can buy the old AirPods. I think they're just called AirPods. Uh, a lot of people online right. refer to them as like AirPods 2. And I was just going to guess they'd call them, you know, the new AirPods like they did with the iPad 3. Um, I don't see anything on there, but it sort of makes sense to me that such a small little battery would just, you know, over time of usage would wear out more, sort of more noticeably and faster than it would seem uh, a considerably larger, let's say like iPad battery or iPhone battery. So this just sort of makes sense on, you know, on the face of it from a physics standpoint. I think the thing that's a little bit weird in this article is the like, oh, like look how much trash Apple's throwing into the uh, into the garbage. Like, well, Apple's kind of like the last company you should be dinging on this because they probably have like a robot that you <laughs> you take it to the Apple store and the robot just takes it apart and, you know, they, they deal with it properly. What you really should be worried about is all the competitors to AirPods that have come out in the intervening years. And those are almost certainly going into directly into the bellies of baby seals, right? Like that's, it's like not even pretend here. Um, that's not to say we shouldn't continue to push on Apple to deal with this sort of thing, but I, I don't see this as a user serviceable part. Like it's just a small, tiny device. Um, I think reducing and reusing and then recycling is probably a much more tenable sort of way of moving forward with this. I believe the new wireless cases are compatible with the original AirPods. I wonder whether or not they've amped up or fixed some of the battery charging so that it might actually give you a little more life in those old ones. Oh, could yeah, be. I don't know. It'd be a good thing for somebody to test to see if it charges any differently. Yeah. Like, so something that's not stressing the AirPods battery. Is that what your, your premise? Yeah. It's, it's 
it using a different charge algorithm, possibly. I guess you can go get one of those Samsung phones to charge your wireless AirPods now. You're not going to buy that one, guys. <laughs> I mean, hypothetically, because it does have the ability to wirelessly charge. Uh, I don't know yeah, if there's like, like, like a... Like an com- AirPower would, right? Yeah. So like, your AirPower, just I don't know if there's Google. like a compatibility. So my hesitance was like, well, oh, I wonder if there's like a compatibility reason why it wouldn't. Uh, or does it just say, hey, a Qi charging device wants to get charged. Here you go, buddy. It's all on you now. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going with that joke. All right. Yeah, and this one, I just found this one today, actually. I thought it was interesting that Apple, I mean, people are still complaining about this, the new keyboard that came out in 2015. It's been three years. People get over it. Um, but the Apple has uh, apologized to somebody at, I believe, the Wall Street Journal, yeah, about um, about the some customers are having still having trouble with the, the new keyboards. And, I, and just as, a, as for an example, we have over 20 of these new model at uh, model computers at work, like the 2016, um, was it 2016 that the uh, touch, pa- touch Bar Mac first came out? So we've had the three iterations of them uh, over the years, and um, we've only had to send one in because it had a bit of dust under the key, um, or a piece of sand or whatever, you know. But uh, what do you guys think about this? I have to take mine in. My space bar is beginning to die. Yeah, I, I have one of these yeah. Macs, but I, but I use an external keyboard, so can't really say. Yeah, I do not have one of these, but I have been holding out, even though supposedly the most recent model has the little membrane that makes it less likely to run into problems. I'm still waiting for some some new device, let's say come come October or maybe September, where they you know they come on stage and there's a big sand pit and they say, oh, and we've pulled this MacBook Pro <laughs> right out of this out of this head. kid's sandbox and see it still works. Go buy some. We can pour a bag of Cheetos on it and it still works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like a, a pepper grinder right over the top of the the space bar, right, and, and yeah. see if it works. Yeah. Well, according to iFixit here in this article that I've got linked in the show notes, um, they have added this membrane thing, but it's it's less than less than ideal. It doesn't quite. It helps a bit, but it's not perfect. So anyway, I guess it's it's rare that Apple actually sort of says. I think I think they're sort of in the article. If you read between the lines, it's kind of like they're saying, "Yeah, some iPads are bent," you know. Um, but uh, yeah, they're just sort of saying, "Yeah, some people have problems with it." But what are you going to do? Well, we are kind of, we are kind of due for a new uh, MacBook Pro design, don't you think? Um, been, maybe if it were. Were these actually in 2015 when they when these came out? Late 20, 2016, I believe, is when I got my first one, like in the fall of 2016. Okay, so it's almost three right. years. Yeah, maybe 2017. Hmm. Let's hit the let's hit the Wikipedia. I think it was 2016, actually. Yeah, because. The one I'm using now, I got at the company I'm working at now, which I joined in early 2017. So right. it would have, and it wasn't a brand new model at the time. Right. Uh, so it must have been 2016. Yeah. So three years. I mean, maybe they'll just uh, redesign the whole thing. The 12 inch MacBook was what, when this this style of keyboard first came out, right? In 2015. Mm-hmm. The impression I got was that uh, the Intel stutter of their timeline has caused the problem with them being able to really innovate internally due to the heat dissipation. And I keep getting the impression that they're going to move to the ARM chip and that may free them up to do some redesign. You mean as the Mac processor? Yeah. Hmm. Now, again, that's all impression and I, I don't have articles to back that up right now. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, so this... Uh, well, that oh, would... That would uh, uh, a line of ARM-based MacBooks would, would definitely fit in well with the whole Marzipan thing. Yeah. Not, not mm. that they have to be related, but it would it would, fit, it would make a good story if that happened this summer. Well, there were people speculating that when they mentioned the other day 
today that uh, the uh, what is it the Apple TV app is coming to the Mac OS. Didn't they say that in the mm-hmm. announcement? Yeah, they did say that. Yeah, yeah. So people are speculating that that would be another Marzipan example mm-hmm. app, right? Mm-hmm. So makes sense. Why well, we- a lot of the stuff from the event, well, I guess, when you get onto the event, is not coming until the fall, which is pretty much the release of the next set of OSs, and that'll probably be the first full Marzipan release. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, our next uh, next follow up item is a bit of a sad story. Um, <laughs> I mean, I were both tweeting out last week about the uh, our our famous 2018 um, or now infamous, I guess, 2018 uh, T-shirt, which said uh, something to the effect of "I entered the conference lottery and all I got was this lousy T-shirt." I'm paraphrasing, um, but yeah, and and we I went to renew the uh, the the campaign on uh, our our famous supplier and um, they removed it because apparently there's a, a intellectual property question in in our guess I I wasn't sure if it was the description I put in the to go with the T-shirt or the, if they actually looked at the T-shirt itself. But uh, we so we still do have them available on our products page. So if you really 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 want one, we can we can we have a few left over from last year and we can certainly get some made up if you really want them. Um, yeah, in fact I have some double extra larges if you're really interested. But um, any thoughts on this, Jaime? <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised that uh, I tweeted out about it and then it was like, oh, look, the link's gone. I was like, hmm, that's weird. So yeah. We were speculating internally. Is it is it Apple with the, the name WWDC, right? There was AltConf and its whole um, sort of kerfuffle with Apple over its, the naming of its own conference. Well, they, when they called it AltConf, they got... Well, they renamed it to AltConf. I forgot what they called it prior. I'd have to look that up. Oh, like not WWDC or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Some, something of that nature. And then Mark, you brought up the other alternative idea that I hadn't even thought about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. Given that this is a T-shirt company that rejected us, it's it's certainly possible. I, I have no idea if it's actually true that that the the whole trope of this lousy T-shirt is is actually copyrighted by someone. And if anyone would know about that, I think it would be a, a T-shirt company. So it's it's possible. I don't know. Right, right. And I was joking that, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not joking anymore, but that we were going to change the name of or the title on our T-shirt this year to "Have you changed your face." Facebook password yet? Yeah, but uh, which leads us to the next story. Did, did we yeah. ever say? Did we ever use Apple WDC on that T-shirt? I forget. No, or was no. it just WWDC? No, I mean maybe WWDC is is. And maybe I should change it to I entered the Dub Dub lottery. You know, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what what, what, tr- I mean, what it, triggered it. It, it, it. it seems like WWDC is a. I mean, we think of it as an Apple thing, but it's but it's certainly not. There's no TM. Yeah, I've, at I've the worked end, at other. It? I've worked at other companies that had worldwide developer conferences. Oh, true. Yeah, it, it just they just weren't as famous as the Apple ones. So it's it's hard to imagine that that's copyrighted. It's kind of odd. Yeah. yeah, I think the whole thing is Apple WWDC. Yeah, right. I but we know. weren't putting that on the shirt, though. Yeah, and and it wasn't like we were we were trying to dupe people into thinking this was a legit WWDC DC T-shirt. We were. It's our basically our podcast T-shirt for the year, right? So, and it was up for a whole year. That's the part that really freaks yeah, me out. Is yeah. like you know why why all of a sudden unless the, unless somebody's updated. It's you know typical of a website or e-commerce website. They've added a word to their their uh, you know their their white blacklist or whatever, right? And we, we but they let it. the Google I/O one go through, right? Shh, don't say that so loud. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> well, that one's gone now. 
<laughs> Nobody bought that one either. That's a funny part. You know, to start using spammer techniques where we find some Unicode character that looks like WWNDC, but is specifically a different character or set of characters than sure. the ASCII character representation. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm looking at the website now, and this Spockcast t-shirt's looking pretty dicey to me with that. Really? Uh, mm, that's true. With that's that true. Uh, Star Trek uh, communicator true. thing right there, front and center on the shirt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark, they say there's no such thing as bad publicity, so... <laughs> <laughs> With all the t-shirt companies doing all of their derivative art and derivative fandom, it's it's surprising that any of them would go, well, you know, at this point, maybe we should start enforcing a copyright. Yeah. Well, the best part about it is if you do have a W, if you do have one of our famous, you know, WWDC t-shirts, it's now, it's now a collector's item because they're, they're rarer than rare. Yeah. All right. Uh, but speaking of Facebook, uh, my next story, and I've started up a new section in the, in the podcast called WTF. And this is our, our company that we love to land based on a regular basis, but uh, it came out early, or I guess just after we recorded last week, that Facebook has been storing your password in plain text in their on their database. So let me say that again, any employee at Facebook could uh, just go ahead and have a look at your password. So they're saying 600 million users uh, possibly had their passwords exposed this way. So uh, yeah, so have you changed your Facebook password yet? I know Mark's not worried about it. Well, I do have a Facebook account. I just don't use it very often. Right. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. And this article does isn't really going to it, but I, I think I'd seen in some other ones, there, there is a little bit of flavor and nuance to this. So when they say stored, I think they mean it's stored in some sort of logging system. And my understanding is that it was related to the Facebook Lite app that they have for um, markets that are still developing and where uh, larger, richer multimedia experiences are kind of at a disadvantage because of issues with costly bandwidth or maybe even unavailable bandwidth. Uh, so there's that, right? That's why it's not all, what, two and a half to three billion users that Facebook has. But it's been since 2012. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's why it's it's so large. I'm not, not downplaying it, but it, it's not the main app. And I think it was something wrong with the logging system that was um, logging incorrect password attempts. So I, I don't think they had your actual password. I think they had, you know, if it was password 12345 and you put in password 1234, well, okay, so they have most of it now. So I think it's, it's still terrible and you would think that like a code review or something other sort of uh, compliance team or security team would have looked at this sort of thing and said, hey, holy, mm-hmm. holy smokes, what are we doing? Don't don't be logging passwords and other critical information to the logging system. That, that doesn't make sense. It's still a big flub for sure. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's also a good chance to plug 2FA because Facebook does that. And- <laughs> <laughs> now they do, yeah. I think they only had that a few weeks ago or what, a, few, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Yeah, I'm just looking at one password here. It says that two-factor authentication is available on Facebook. And uh, yeah, so if I have a couple of other accounts that I manage for friends of mine, and uh, it says in right inside of um, uh, 1Password, compromised login. Data stored on this website may have been compromised. Please change your password. Keep your account safe. Your mileage may vary. All right. What's next? Yeah, one of the things that sort of got lost in all the hubbub of, of all the stuff that we'll talk about in the main topics is the fact that Swift 5 was released for Ooh. Xcode 10.2. So uh-huh. I've posted the, uh, the Twitter thread from uh, friend of the show, sometimes 
co-host and renowned fruit enthusiast, Greg Heo, who has some of the highlights here. So let's take a look at those. So I know we had talked about the result type and that being, or enumeration, I should say, uh, that is available. So you don't have to roll your own if you don't want to. You certainly can if you've got something that doesn't fit neatly into success and failure. But that's still pretty nice that they've taken a community practice and turned it into something that's officially supported. And the other thing that uh, might have gotten lost that I certainly didn't know so when I briefly perused the notes was set and dictionary now use a different hash seed for each newly created instance. So if you create what appears to you to be the same exact set, you are no longer guaranteed to get the same order. And they show here, they put a, a mm. set of integers, one, two, three, four, and five into two different variables. And then they print out to see what they are. And it's like, whoops, nope, they're, they're not, uh, they're not in the same order. So if your code was relying on that, even accidentally, you're going to get bit by this. So word to the wise. You're, you're never actually guaranteed to get it. It, it just sounds like that uh, it was happening. You would get the same order uh, more often than you might expect before. And now, and now that's no longer the case, but kind of by definition of a set, you're, you, you don't get, they don't come in the same order. And dictionary too, right? And dictionary too. Yeah. 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 This is one of those things that uh, was never officially supported, but the implementation was such that people sort of became implicitly reliant on it. I'll use the same exact thing that I, I don't believe is the case anymore. Um, and even if it was, please, please do not rely upon this, but it used to be the case that, or the unit testing framework, it would run the tests in alphabetical order, um, regardless of you know what order you'd actually define the, the functions within your, your test case. And some people would say, oh, well, there's this really terrible way that we have of setting this thing up and we can't get around it for you know business reasons. So if we make sure that this particular test runs last by calling it test Z, 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 and then whatever the actual test name is, then we can make sure that it doesn't mess up all the other tests because otherwise you'd end up with a flaky test suite. Um, that's another one of those examples of like, clearly that was never an official part of the spec, but it was something that people have relied upon uh, as people are wont to do. One of, one of the nice things that Swift 5 has finally given us is that stable ABI that people have been wishing for. Yes. Which yes. for the developer point of view, that's one thing. For the end user point of view, it's the fact that you're going to now have smaller apps, more apps will fit on your device. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. I've been on the app I'm working on now, I've been bumping up against the upper limit for a while now. And I'll, every time we do a release, have to figure out what we can cut, what assets can we cut out because we're just so full. Uh, and this will help a lot there. Just give us a bunch, a bunch more headroom. What is the upper limit, Mark? 150 megabytes. Really? Yep. For for wireless oh, download. For wireless download. Oh, yes, download. Yes, yes, yes. And that's specifically over the air, right? Non, Non-Wi-Fi, I'm guessing when you say yes, that. That's right. Uh, yeah, I would, yeah. It, it, cellular, most likely, yes. Yeah, cellular, uh, for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Maybe they'll bump up the cellular limit now that the uh, the ABI has been dr- uh, been put through. Because they, they do bump that cellular limit every couple of years. True. It used to be 50 megabytes a while back, mm-hmm. right? I do remember that. That was a big pain in the neck. Yeah. Another thing I'm, I'm pretty happy about in Swift 5 is this. Um, there used to be a case where if you, if you did a try uh, on something that could return an optional, you'd get this double optional back as a result of, of your try. Mm-hmm. And, and now they collapse that down to a single optional, which is kind of what you'd expect to get. You know, there's kind of, I, I can't think of any case where you'd really want this double optional thing. So, so I'm really glad to see that 
that they've gotten rid of that. Done it the intuitive way now. All right, cool. What else is new, Jaime? Yeah, slight spoilers, but I think we've already we've already gotten into the habit of spoiling content that we're going to talk about later in this episode. Um, so Apple has released iOS 12.2 support for the News Plus service, new AirPods, and I'm surprised nobody's mentioning the four new Animoji, that being the owl, the boar, the giraffe, <laughs> and the shark. Like that, that is the carrot that gets people to you know install the security patch that represents 12.2. There's all there's sorts, you know, sorts of cool stuff here. We've got a, a link in the show notes for those of you driving at home of this Ars Technica blog post that has more of the notes if you're not the kind of person who likes to read them within the iOS update system itself. Of course, Apple's already acknowledged the fact that the News Plus app is crashing on a few people's systems spontaneously, and they, mm-hmm. Were, mm-hmm. they said they worked on a, on a server-side patch, but I know that there's still some people having crashes with that app, so 12.2.1 probably really soon. Mm-hmm. Did anyone have any issues installing any of the updates today? I did not. I updated my last night I updated my iPad, my iPhone, and today I updated my oh Apple Watch to what five point two probably. Yeah, I was just waiting so, to see if you guys bricked your phones before I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I updated two laptops, uh, two iPhones, and an iPad, and all of the iPhones and iPads worked fine. One of the laptops, everything worked perfectly. On the other laptop, the OS ten update went perfectly fine. In fact, it was completely smooth. But surprisingly, the Xcode update was really problematic. It got to about ninety five percent and then just sort of hung there for like an hour before I killed it and started again. And then mm. after I tried to start again, it just, it wouldn't download at all uh, for a while. And only after uh, logging out of the app store and logging back in multiple times and rebooting multiple times, did it uh, start downloading again. And then it got to that exact same 95% point and stopped again. And it took something like two hours sitting at 95% before it finally finished. Very mm. strange. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah. So mm. maybe it was something with that machine, that particular machine, because it worked fine on my other one. Um, but I don't know. I've, you know, I was, I was, I was just, I was telling coworker that that you know I've historically never had any problems updating anything. Uh, this is the first time, so I was kind of surprised and, and not delighted. So is installing the um, <laughs> installing the uh, the command line tools at the end was the problem, maybe or no, no, it was just the main install. I haven't even gotten the command line tools yet. Wow, huh. well, things to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, yeah like like Tim. I usually advise people just waiting a week or so, or at least a handful of days. Let other, yeah. let other, let all the millions of other people updating to get their N emoji be the guinea pigs. Yeah. Um, I decided to YOLO it this time. I felt like, well, there's there's enough days left in the week that I can, if I totally brick my phone, I have enough time to go acquire a new one and go <laughs> from backup. I was sometimes yeah. cautious, but I, there was I, a point six release like on Friday, or the the beta point six, and I figured this has got to be the 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 release master and there's not going to be much more shift so i figured it was going to be a safe jump but the only thing i saw was a little slowdown on xcode just due to i think the servers being hammered mm-hmm. yeah all righty well since we're here let's talk about the apple event that happened on monday right um we knew it was going to be something related to the new streaming services that they were have been talking about for a long time so but when we go through them um I, I guess i'll start with apple news we knew that uh apple was going to be doing something magazine related because they had bought text or we assumed that they were going to do something because they had brought texture the toronto-based company that was handling um multiple magazine subscriptions um but i guess the surprise was that they rolled it out into into their news plus service right which we just talked about crashing on a few people's machines but um has, has anybody seen any pricing on that i gotta get my notes out but um I thought it was 10 bucks for 10 bucks a month yeah. yeah and it's free for families we were we were talking about this last week uh that we were wondering whether this these services would be um 
bumped up, you know, five bucks or whatever for uh, sharing with your family. But I believe they said that the the News Plus is shared for free with your family. I think they said that everything their their plan now is that the family sharing is part mm-hmm. of it. So when you get it for one on the family sharing account, you get it for the whole family, and that's that's that pillar of their uh, of their views on services. Sure. Yeah, and they said they have um, three hundred titles, magazine titles going into the app or into the service. Well, they said three thousand, and then they kind of backed away and said, "Oh no, no, no! Yeah. I'm sorry, three hundred. Right. Yeah, he's not working at Apple. Anymore. <laughs> yes. that, was, that was the guy on the keynote stage for the very first time, and and yeah. you know, five years from now, he'll be on John Gruber's yeah, the talk show. I'm like, yep, I, sure. I totally loved it. Yep, I absolutely yeah. heard about it. Yeah. Immediately, so he wasn't wearing people. an MTJC's T-shirt, right? Yeah, um, but you know, um, notably here in my notes, I have USA in Canada in English and French for uh, thirty right, magazines, yeah. including Toronto's own the is it the star is there is there a the or is the it? star yeah okay Toronto the star, star. And well, the star is the website but it's it's Toronto star it's funny because it, it, ironically that they say that because like lately the stars ninety percent of the articles I may be wrong but the percentage are from the Wall Street Journal so you know kind of ironic I'm curious if this is going to depend on what your account is based are you only going to get the star if you're in Canada uh, so are these things only national distribution do you get the Wall Street Journal do you- yeah I would think yeah that's a good question because I know that right now through the Toronto Star online or or they have a um, like an iOS sort of version thing of it I think website you can get the Wall Street Journal directly from the Star for a few extra shekels per month or per week or whatever yeah it's it's interesting because I mean most most newspapers these days run off of writers and and they all pick up the same stories at the same time right but so, uh, Toronto Star has something to do with with uh, Wall Street Journal these days but I would think so yeah and and the other the other news is that the news app has not been available to Canadians until just now um, because it wasn't rolled out here yet and uh, so all the Canadians are running around but I've, I've had my my region set to US for forever because one of our customers uh, does um, publishes to the news app so I've been using it for a couple of years now but, but generally speaking I'm doing air quotes it's new to Canadians right and it doesn't it makes sense to me too because like literally it's like like the shortcuts app they've just they which was what, what called workflow before right um, Apple you know acquired texture and so they naturally would get the the Canadian titles come along with it, right? I don't know if Texture was available in the States, was it? Do you know? I have no idea. It, I really, to be honest, hadn't heard of Texture until the acquisition happened. Um, right, right. But it must not be that far away from distribution because I also have in my notes that it's coming later this year to Australia and uh, Europe, starting with the UK. Right, right. So, all right, let's 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 maybe for each of these, we can do the sort of uh, around the table sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so I'll start with Tim because uh, we'll, we'll leave Drew towards the end to give you sort of the like let's see how it goes so you feel comfortable uh tim are you going to sign up for apple news um probably not probably not i mean um i don't i can't think of any uh, magazines per se that i need to have access to that i don't already you know sort of find some way to get so it's not not for me it, it, ironically though uh, and mark right may remember this but our first ipad app in 2010 was a magazine app so and, and you know we, we kind of went through the whole newsstand thing as well and so we've We'd given up on that and moved on to different other vehicles of getting our content out. But uh, so it's, it's kind of, you know, here we are, oh, what, eight years later, and Apple's now 
nine years later, and Apple's now doing doing what we were trying to do. Sadly, <laughs> like the iPad is a perfect uh, a venue for for consuming magazines, in my opinion, and comic books. Right? It, it works well for that. It works well. So yep. I think I heard. So no, that it just didn't um, meet your particular specific needs. And what about Mark? What about your needs? I don't know yet. I, I kind of want to see the list of magazines and list of newspapers that are going to be available for my ten bucks. Um, off the top of my head, I I can't think of that many magazines that I want I'd want to buy. But you know, but if there were things like like let's say for example, one one magazine that I used to read was The Economist, uh, which was great. But and but I eventually canceled because it it, ca- it actually came too often because <laughs> it's a it's a weekly magazine mm-hmm. with, with that's very dense. And I found I just could never I never had time to finish it. Uh, so it wasn't worth my subscribing to it. But but if they had that and other stuff, you know, where you know I didn't feel bad about not reading it all the time because I didn't time, then it might be kind of cool to 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 get it to to do something like that. So so yeah, so it depends on what magazines are there and and uh, I just don't know yet. Cool. And Drew? Well, as an Apple junkie, they said the first hit was free. Uh, they're basically saying one month free and it's that free subscription offer and then if you remember to cancel it, you'll get off. So I wanted to see what the magazines were too and they had two or three that interested me. So I'm going to see the quality of the magazines over this month. Uh, I like Make Magazine for starters. So I, I've i subscribed on their at least free month and I'll see how I feel about it after I read through a couple of magazines and see whether the format works. But then again, I'm also one of the people who's been dealing with the app crashing. So there may be a connection there. Right, right. And so I guess we'll put you down as a to be determined. Um, but you are you are trying out the free trial, and uh, we'll do some follow up on that one. Yep. You know, a month or two from now, see you know. All right, or, you know, how's it going? Are you sticking with it? Um, I guess I'll answer for myself. I'm not going to at this very moment, but I think like Mark, I might take a look at the the finalized list and see what's available. Because I I've, I've seen people say like, well, you know, what is news worth? And you know, nine ninety nine a month. It seems like a lot. Uh, granted, Apple started with like the absurd number of like, yeah, if you went to all these magazines, it'd be like eight thousand a year. I'm like, all right, nobody in the world subscribes to all these magazines, right? But but point taken that when I step back and think about magazine subscriptions I've had in the past, nine ninety nine a month is really like the price of like one magazine, and not like the kind that's just trying to get subscribers, you know, a dollar a month sort of thing, but more the like you mentioned, like a Make magazine, uh, sort of more narrowly focused. It's probably like twenty dollars at the newsstand sort of magazine so you get a little bit for, of for a year right uh, it, it depends like I, i'd be surprised if make was was only 20 per year well maybe a little more but yeah probably maybe like 30 40 but so if it's only one magazine that you're interested in then 120 bucks a month might be kind of steep but yeah if two or but if it's two or three then sure yeah yeah good good point it's like figure out how many magazines it would be and then the, the convenience of not having uh like the economist filling up your doorstep you know <laughs> yeah with more yeah. and more I mean, it's nine dollars a per magazine no no they, i think it's an all you can eat oh okay yeah it's like a netflix of 120 a year oh, okay right. yeah no right. i heard mark said 120 a month but yeah i, I wondered if it's sorry a year. sorry a year yeah so i mean so as you know carol reads the toronto star every every day we get it we get it delivered to our house or my son used to be the editor of the toronto star and that kind of stuff right so we pay 54 dollars a month or something like that ridiculous now for that so um carol does consume a lot of magazines so it may be worth our while to, to, to get into this thing, if I can convince her to use it on the iPad. Right? From a depth point of view, I'm rather interested because it looks like the newsstand functionality is still there because there are certain magazines that I've subscribed to that I only get through their sort of the newsstand side of things. A good example is Cinefix, which is a 
quarterly magazine on motion pictures, right, yep. special effects. And I'm curious to see whether or not they're going to try to unify this or whether or not that's still going to be a separate thing until they can get those magazines under the fold. Hmm, good question. All right, well, let's move on. Um, number two thing was Apple Pay, actually, Jaime, but um, I don't know. They just mentioned some of the percentages of use for that. Was there anything specific they said that was new about Apple Pay? Yes. Um, I guess your, your mileage or kilometerage may... No, no, it's definitely mileage. No, I'm looking at the cities. Uh, your mileage may vary as to uh, the utility of this, but they were talking about bringing, bringing the Apple Pay Transit to New York City, Chicago, and Portland. Oh, true, right. Yeah, which, which like, you know, all right, you know, New York makes sense, Chicago makes sense. Portland shocked me, because I thought for sure that last one was going to be San Francisco. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed about that. Um, but I, I don't know what the situation there is. People who have asked, uh, the Orca card situation here in the Seattle region is not a great story, so not surprised they didn't bring it here to the... But do you have one card that's, like, here we have Presto card in Toronto now that you can use on on like on the, the commuter trains as well as on the Toronto Transit Commission stuff like the buses and streetcars. In New York, they have the Metro Pass thing or Metro Card or whatever they call it, right? And they've had that forever. And what do they have? Is doesn't San Francisco have a different system for the BART and for the streetcars and buses? There and are stuff? there are they're all all different systems, but you can get one card that works on all. Oh, okay, yeah. So that makes sense, right? Yeah. And what about Portland? But I, I sort of suspect that the the technology is sort of antiquated, so it wouldn't work with scanning a car, scanning from a phone or something like yeah, that. Yeah, is it near-field communication or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the Presto card's an NFC, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But it's it's <laughs> it's kind of silly in terms of how it's been deployed, but yeah. People still scratch their heads over the fact that you can put money on it, but you can't use the money you put on it for 24 hours because the buses update at the station when they leave in the morning, and they don't update they don't, they don't update until uh, later, right? Until they get back to the station. So if you put money in the middle of the day, you have to wait till tomorrow to be able to use it. So that's one complaint about it. But it would, you know, be, I think you'd have to have sort of infrastructure where it would update right away, right? Like the like New York's had the metro. I think I've been going to New York since the '90s, and they had that that uh, magnetic stripe card that you could just charge and put more money on, right? The same with like I think Virginia has that too, right? So who knows? What else have they got there that's really cool and made of titanium? I mean, that would be the new Apple Card, and that's only if you actually are going to use the physical one, I guess. True, it's, true. It's I think so, people so, just want to get it because it's cool. But that said, U.S. only. Initially. I mean, uh, to, to start, right? Yeah. So you guys excited about it? Not excited about it? Apple's going to... Apple, like, from a fintech company, Jaime, you guys must have talked about this at work the other day, right? Because yeah. it's kind of <laughs> like they're they're, they're, do, they're disrupting, as you like to say, your favorite word, uh, the whole credit card system, right? Yeah, it's kind of funny to see how um, people in, in the, the circles that I run in working at a, at a fintech company, as you mentioned, uh, how we perceived the event versus uh, sort of the average mainstream Apple news sites who are like, oh, this is like the most boring part. And we were like, no, 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 <laughs> this is the most fundamentally cool part. All the other stuff, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, you know, you serve bits for $9.99 a month and it's news. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that's not the exciting part. The exciting part is Apple is drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is what we're going to do from a credit standpoint. Um, yeah. They're distinctly not making themselves a bank, even though people stated it that way. The real bank, uh, he says with air quotes, scary air quotes, 
quotes is Goldman Sachs. That's an important distinction. And um, MasterCard. World. Uh, and MasterCard being the the um, uh, ostensible payment processor in, yeah. in, in credit card issuer, right? Um, I've seen a whole bunch of different stuff here. Let's cover some of the, the main points because people might have missed this part of the event. So it's, uh, it's a card that you can auto-provision in minutes, uh, meaning you can start using the card with Apple Pay, for example, in your Apple Wallet um, immediately it, while you're waiting for the uh, the etched titanium physical card to make its way to you. You'll get uh, different rewards in terms of percentage points back of uh, at the high end, 3% when you spend at uh, Apple's stores, uh, 2% if you use uh, Apple Pay, and still 1% if you use that physical card as your, your backup. And they're claiming no late fees, no annual fees, no international fees, no over-limit fees, um, no penalty interest rates. Uh, curiously, people have called them out for stating lower interest rates. Uh, and I definitely want to talk about that. Yeah, so I, I just pasted in the notes here that's, that we looked it up. Uh, we, there's an article I've linked in, I think, here as well, that um, it's somewhere between 13 and 22%, depending on a bunch of factors when you first sign up, I guess, your your credit rating or whatever. Um, but that's, yeah, it's, it's I guess 13% is lower than the average card, but it's not the lowest that I've heard of. Yeah, there were, there were crazy people online like, oh, it should be zero. That would be disruptive. Like, yes, that would be called free money. <laughs> Especially yeah. with no penalties and stuff like yes, I'm sure. Um thirteen it, it would be negative money for Apple because they're giving them cash back. Right. Yes, that's that's true. <laughs> so I do think that the twenty two I thought it was like twenty four ish percent, but you know, the the twenties is definitely high. And it would definitely be unfortunate if you were somebody who was in that. Thirteen is not as low as some that people have mentioned out there. Um, but it's certainly lower than the average, which is like sixteen ish percent. And theirs is a non-penalty rate. So you'll either see uh, like seven to nine percent rate cards, but their uh, promotional rate for the first you know six months, or there's an annual fee on the card, or whoops, you missed a payment. Guess what? Now it's twenty four percent. There's all sorts of things related to that. Um, it's hard to figure out where this fits. I don't believe it is the best, no matter how you cut it. But it doesn't mean that it's um, it's not like a loser in any point. I don't think you are actively making a bad financial decision to choose this one, from what I can tell. So, Andre, you linked an article in here from 9 to 5 Mac about the interest rates? Yeah, it turns out that uh, out of everything that people were watching about the event, uh, apparently the Apple Card piqued the public's interest. One person said that the video for just the card has racked up 15 million views in less than the first two days. Uh, And people who were voting about which thing they want, they're saying over half of them want the card, and that's more than the games, and we'll talk about that, or the TV and any of that stuff. And that's really interesting. I think it's, you know, the the cash coming in, the, 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 the lack of fees, but people are just really fascinated by this this card. Mm-hmm. Well, like Carmen said, it's the big story, right? Yeah. And interestingly enough, the, the cashback is actually not that good, this yeah. card. Yeah, you know, 1% when you when you uh, use it in a brick and mortar, 2% through Apple Pay, and 3% on Apple products. Now, if you buy a lot of Apple products, maybe that's good, but but for just the regular everyday user, it's 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 not actually that great. But there is the fact that it's cashback now, and most people with cashback, it's well, you wait until it shows up on your statement in a month or so. Well, oh, yeah, true. true. Yeah. And true. some people like true. the idea of well, I'm getting that money back just by using it right now. 
I don't get the whole incentive of cash back myself. Like I don't like you, you're spending money to get money back, and it's kind of like reverse psychology. You know, like, is it just that you're getting a discount on what you're buying? Is that the idea? You'd probably view it as a coupon. I guess so. Yeah. Hmm, Although you know, one percent is not not that great of a coupon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it's tricky, Tim, because there is a whole industry around rewards on credit cards, and I I think of it as being like fire, right? Fire is dangerous. <laughs> you need to be careful, but, but we all have fire somewhere, whether we have like, you know, a heater in the house or uh, a stove or whatnot. Like, it, it, I don't think it's enough to say like, oh yeah, like all reward stuff is bad. Like clearly if you are trying to chase rewards and you're getting yourself into uh, trouble and especially with revolving debt, like you would get on a credit card, it can be a mm-hmm. real pain, right? Like there are people who are like, oh, but I get all these rewards. Like, yeah, <laughs> you don't pay off the amount, the balance every month, which means you're losing that amount in the, let's let's be generous and say it's 13%, right? You, you're getting 1%, five, let's say 5% back because there's other cards that have 5 You're getting 5% back, but you're paying them 13% for that privilege. So really it's like 8% that you're still paying. You didn't, you didn't come out ahead. You can, if you do, you know, stay diligent and pay off everything. There's still some risk there because of, you know, like you have buffers. Uh, what if you lose your job? What if you, um, you have long-term uh, medical disability or, you know, so on and so forth. So not going to claim it's like, yeah, you go, go chase after them. I'm not going to demonize them either. But I think to Mark's point there, it is kind of still so-so cash back, but that's the the incentive system there of like, hey, look, like you effectively are paying less if, you, uh, if you're able to properly manage that and are fortunate enough, I think. But I do think a lot of it's going to be the, uh, the coolness factor, or the status factor of whipping out that titanium card in real life. Which interestingly has no numbers on it. Yes, yeah. very importantly. Yeah, they, they definitely mention that. No yeah. CVV, no expiration dates. No card number. None of that stuff. Yeah, no card number. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, so how do you do how do you use it for online purchases if it has no CVVC number? I think well, they Tim, said you that's can use available the in the Apple Wallet. Yeah. Oh true. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 where are you shopping that doesn't have wonderful integrated with Safari Apple Pay on their website? Apple Pay, exactly, exactly. Well in the United yeah. States it could be one place. Um, but speaking of the US and, and I mentioned earlier at the top of this this piece that that uh, um, it's currently U.S. only, but in this article, I got linked in from the Apple, Apple Insider, where I got the interest rates from, by the way. Um, and it's linked in the show notes. It uh, basically says that uh, they're, they're sort of, I guess they're soft launching it in the United States, you could say, because it's going to roll out into other countries uh, shortly after it settles down and does its focused uh, launch in the U.S. is what they're calling it. So something to look forward to. And um, yeah. apparently Goldman Sachs is going to try and set up uh, international, um, like Goldman Sachs International is going to cover the card in other countries. I mean, I kind of get the sense that this is the iPod and uh, the iPhone sort of uh, approach that Apple's used to sort of disrupt an industry, you know, like like Uber sort of took on taxis and, you know, Push for Pizza took over the pizza people, right? <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. you guys aren't laughing today. I don't want to. What, you guys are like dead. <laughs> <laughs> that one but, in particular, uh, just, just for Drew's benefit and for, for uh, longtime listeners, I'm talking from like way back to, I believe it is episode two. We'll have to fact yeah. check that one. We yeah. yeah, I think one of my picks of the week, and the very first pick of the week I think I ever had was Push for Pizza, an app where yeah. you would just push a button and pizza would come to your house. <laughs> They're not anyway. IPOing as far as I know. I haven't seen all these all these S one documents being dropped, but uh, not not Push for Pizza, unfortunately. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what what this does if it does anything for for the whole credit card industry, right? Um, you know, this is it's kind of a big thing that Apple kind of snuck in there if you think about it, because we were all expecting them to talk about TV 
and you know their their new gaming platform or whatever, right? So yeah, yeah I think it's pretty big because they also mentioned that uh, Goldman Sachs will never share or sell your data for advertising or marketing purposes, which is True. very atypical for the industry. But presumably, Apple has all the agreements and says, "Look, do you like boatloads of cash? We will bring you boatloads of cash as long as you agree to this <laughs> one point." Yeah, well, and and also Apple says that they're not going to track your purchases or they'll never track your purchases, which is which is you know we've talked about this on the show before that that is one way you know for all that we you know use DuckDuckGo and you know use one password and TunnelBear and stuff like that every time you pull out your credit card uh, in most cases your being your purchases are being tracked and you're being put into some database somewhere that uh, you know and then you're being presented with things that that you may or may not be interested in based on your previous purchases whereas if Apple's not tracking you and like you said by extension Goldman Sachs isn't tracking you then then you can sort of have a bit more privacy in terms of what you're buying and uh, on you know using your cash for right um that's cool and a bit more safety on something like these hotel chains that are leaking cards true true it seems like there's a new one uh, every week so um before i ask about the going around the room uh i am as much as it's it's cool that it's a laser etched titanium card i am surprised that it is a landscape that is horizontally oriented card and not a vertically or portrait mode card as is the fashion nowadays really hmm. yeah it's so, I mean, probably not like a card from, you know, whatever the largest four banks are in your neck of the woods. But if you look at smaller companies like, I want to say Square, Acorns, um, N26, like Venmo even, all, all these uh, tech companies or fintech companies, banks, they're all they're all doing the vertical-oriented card, largely because um, rather than being something you tend to swipe in the horizontal sort of orientation makes sense, we're putting these things into chip readers that are mm. vertically oriented. So the branding makes more sense being oh true yeah. Yeah. yeah i was even thinking in your iphone case when you, you slide them in the back of your iphone case you know indeed so the around the room let's go in reverse order this time drew are you signing up for the apple card when it comes out oh i'm one of those guys who who always is trying to get any kind of card that will accept somebody whose credit's a little burnished so it'll be curious to see if goldman sachs accepts me or whether or not they're running the high interest on low credit scores etc okay um mark i will probably get it even though you know i, I kind of like the card i use now because it gives me a lot of miles uh I, I prefer the miles to getting cash back but but i'll probably get it anyway and tim assuming it comes to your neck of the woods yeah so. i'm probably i have a couple of cards that i like and I, I don't really go out of my way i get you know i get these things in the mail all the time you've been pre-approved for this and that and the other thing and i i don't bother with cards much i have two rewards cards that i use i don't think i would get this either but i do have a question though just before we as a sort of a sidebar so tell me about Goldman Sachs. I mean, I mean, from what we've talked about on the show in the past, the American banking system is is a dog's breakfast for most in most cases. What what is Goldman Sachs? I mean, assuming I've heard the name before, obviously that are they one of the more solid financial institutions in the states? Where do they stand? So they're oh yeah, no, they're, they're the number one financial institution, uh, but they're an investment bank more than a right okay more than a, not a commercial bank, but uh, they're extremely powerful. Some some might say too powerful. Uh, if you if you Google uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, you will find lots of interesting things to read about. Amusingly, Goldman Sachs said that they weren't impressed with the Apple event and said that it might be a good yeah. time to, uh, to to sell off. <laughs> that's an interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah it yeah. was really what funny to see analysts. that come from Goldman Sachs. Ah, uh, yeah, but yeah, the, the, Tim, to answer your your question there, when you you talk about the big four banks, um, in some order, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Goldman Sachs are the four that people are talking about. Right. Okay. Okay. And what about you, Jaime? Are you going to get 
with the Apple Card. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is the, the most sure thing of all these things, uh, if only for the card itself. Uh, the other stuff seems, you know, seems okay. I shall compare, you know, in my own finances. Does this make sense or not? Um, it certainly seems like, uh, unless there's like a rotating category where, oh, you know, electronics this month are better on some other card. It kind of seems to make sense to buy the, the new MacBook Pro I mentioned that I'd like to get using this Apple Card and get the 3% back on that. Well, I have a titanium MacBook Pro here, or Mac, sorry, I have a titanium G4 here, so I'll be chopping that up to make some MTJC credit cards for you guys, too. <laughs> See, now we know what they're what they're using all that recycling for. They're, they're chopping up the old computers to make credit cards. I'm just mashing <laughs> totally. them up, melting them down. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, real-time follow-up. I'm, I'm finding that Googling Goldman Sachs doesn't give you any of the interesting stuff that I expected it would, so you might have to do a little bit more research, but... Uh, right, okay. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty tied in with the government, and uh, they're they're pretty powerful as an institution. So uh, yeah, do a little bit of searching, digging around, and you'll, you'll find some stuff. All right, let's dig into points four, five, and six, because we're running long here. So, Jaime, what's next? The next one was Apple Arcade, which is their game subscription service for mobile, desktop, and they're saying living rooms. That would be tvOS. And they're going to have, apparently, 100-plus new and exclusive games. There'll be a new arcade tab in the App Store. So you'll be able to play all of these things on iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple TV, playable offline, which I think is a very particular note, uh, given our coverage earlier of Microsoft xCloud and Google Stadia, the streaming services for gaming. Uh, no ads or additional purchases. The wonderful family sharing, as we mentioned before, available in 150 plus countries and regions, apparently coming out in fall of 2019. But pricing is the one TBD item that they didn't even touch. Well, no, we talked about this in the last couple of weeks and some speculation about how they would do this sort of Netflix of games and whether or not us cool developer types would be able to play along. And it sounds like it's going to, well, I mean, who knows? They'll probably roll out something at WWDC, you know, adapting your game for Apple Arcade or whatever. But so this sounds like it's going to be an exclusive club, right? For certain developers. Maybe it, 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 I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to tell, or maybe I completely missed a line. It was hard for me to tell if they were sort of launching with sort of the, the big names that you might know. Um, and, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be more of an exclusive club, exclusive studio partnerships that they have, or if that's just to get it off the ground and make it worth whatever amount of money you're going to be expected to pay per month. Apple had commented that they're actually going to be supporting these companies in getting these games off the ground. Okay. So that's, that's good to know. I think I missed that line because we were wondering before if they were going to do like a Netflix originals and have their own sort of studio or if they were going to uh, buy IP from other folks. But it sounds like they're, they're, they're picking some people, they're picking some ponies and helping them get off the ground. Then the question is, how do you become one of those picked people? Do you, is there going to be a, uh, an open audition, you know, where you pitch your idea and if they like it, they'll, they'll help you with it. Or do you have to already be an established game company and, and uh, they will help you to port your existing game to the platform or something else, TBD. Yeah, they just said there were 300,000 games out there already on the App Store and a billion players, but they, yeah, then the, that's before they, just before they announced the Apple Arcade. So whether or not, you know, I, I don't know if you'll be playing Geese Squad anytime soon on, on <laughs> Apple Arcade, right? So, like, will they support Coco's well, 2D games? <laughs> you know, it probably won't be available in Canada. That's true. I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> Hundreds of countries except Canada. 
Right. <laughs> that was the key phrase there. Right. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know what to think about this one. I think it's a little too early. They give a quick uh, trailer of like different games, uh, but no uh, specific focus on any uh, any particular games. So it's, it's hard for me to tell where this fits. And I suspect that it's going to fit nicely for um, sort of the sweet spot for families where you can feel happy that your kids are going to be able to just play good, decent games and you're not going to be worried about them getting sucked into some in-app purchase nightmare or uh, some uh, Skinner box sort of situation where they're like hooked on this one game because it just tries to keep them to keep playing to get them watching ads and stuff. So I, I don't know how it's going to work from a, how do they divvy up the money that they're getting for each subscription service price to all the different developers that, that may or may not negatively impact the incentive systems for the kinds of games that people are going to design. But at the very least, I think people will feel pretty safe and happy um, letting their kids play with this sort of stuff. And I think that's the sweet spot for this. I don't think it's meant to 100% overlap and compete with the like hardcore enthusiast stuff that Microsoft and Google are going after. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just con- concerned about like our audience. So, like, you know, are, are we going to be able to play along uh, as developers, I meant, you know? Right, right. Um, I don't even know about doing it around the room because there's no pricing. <laughs> Is there anybody who's like uh, really rallying forth ahead or, or saying no, absolutely? Absolutely not. Any anybody who's anything other than TBD. I have a twelve year old boy. He actually watched. He, he watched the event with me. He practically had an aneurysm when it was announced. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to have much of a choice. So so we'll have to see. So you're just right. waiting to see how bad the damage is, then? Yeah, <laughs> not pretty a, pretty much. It's only a question of if, but how much, right? Yeah. But you yeah, know, I, I he he's at the age of would you put the damn iPad down and eat dinner already? Mm, right. Right. <laughs> I I think the inclusion of Mac into this really seems to lend itself towards the marzipan play that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that, that this would be an easy way. I mean, of course, a lot of these things are going to be done with um, like Unity or Unreal, um, you know, maybe Crytek's engine. But um, I think having that wrapped up into a marzipan wrapper would make it easy to go between TV, Mac, and the iOS devices. I think I remember them also saying not only is it offline, but you could actually start a game on one device, stop and switch to another device and pick the game up again. That's right. That's right. I, I did forget to mention that. Yeah, so seamlessly moving across on these things, that'll that'll be really nice. Um, I'm not sure for me whether this will make sense. I think it will really depend on that pricing. Uh, I don't have any children, so <laughs> I think it might be out of the sweet spot that I mentioned, but it is interesting to hear your perspective, Drew, on, on having a family member who does seem really interested in it. He seems as such. I could be misinterpreting the panting. I'm likely a no on this one. I just don't play enough games. I mean, if it's cheap enough, sure, why not? But if it's, you know, if it's going to be like 10 bucks a month, then then I'm almost definitely a no. Don't tell people that. They want to believe that software engineers do nothing but write code and play games. (laughs) Right, right. All right. Next, Tommy. The next one is a much smaller one, and that is Apple TV channels. And that is their take on being able to purchase um, content from other providers, like, uh, let's say, like, 
like HBO, Showtime, CBS All Access, through Apple as the sort of storefront. Very similar to, I think we've mentioned other attempts at this, like Amazon has their thing as well, does something very similar. Um, I don't have a lot to say about that other than like, yeah, that seems pretty cool. Kind of wish I'd signed up for CBS All Access through that instead of having yet another account, but um, cool. I mean, anything to make it seamless and easy to get content, I think will be good. It certainly helps people uh, collect all these streaming services, that's for sure. Yeah, who knows? Maybe you'll be able to move your your account over. Maybe. That'd be pretty nice. Yeah, I did that with Linda, like when Linda got bought by LinkedIn and and, uh, they're now up at the Toronto Library. So with with our Toronto Library card, we get Linda courses for free. So I signed, you know, canceled my account and I signed up through the library and I contacted Linda and they they moved my account over for me, right? So they may be able to do that for you. So this this leads into the next thing, which is um, them making shows, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Apple TV Plus is what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I have a couple of notes, but I got to admit, I was doing work stuff <laughs> while this was going on. So yeah. I, well, I know I'll only some you, of the so highlights. This was the driest part of any Apple event I've ever seen in my entire life. I, 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 heard yeah, you, I, I heard you comment about that, and I actually have to disagree with you that I think that <laughs> what they did there was actually perfect for what it was. Well, they brought out, I mean, they brought out Spielberg, they brought out Jennifer Aniston and, and uh, a few other people, but and they brought up Big Bird for a bit to talk about Sesame Street coding. But, you know, I think it was like 90 minutes into the show and, and uh, we, we'd only booked a boardroom for 90 minutes. So it was kind of like, hey, do we really? And it was a lot of there was a lot of gaps between those people coming on stage. Right. So mm-hmm. with nobody marshalling that. Right. So it was a bit bit dry. But the whole thing is that was that was national. That, that was NAB. That that was a a video, a video supplier saying, here is the programming that's coming out for this season. And right. it, it was the presentation of the producers or the actors or the directors to do a quick oversight. And this is the first time the public gets to see something like that. Normally, the public just sort of accepts what shows are coming with a little bit of a surprise. And they basically said, nope, we're going to let you see behind the curtain of what we're doing. And I think the average viewer, if they're into that kind of programming, was absolutely riveted by it. And I also found it interesting that they started from very tame programming to more socially challenging programming as they went through the list. They started with just the the 1929 science fiction anthology series, and then they moved into series about disabilities, and then of course ending on Oprah, who basically said, I'm going to basically challenge these difficult social topics. So it, it was interesting. It was not for developers. It was not for people in the computer industry at all. It wasn't meant for us. It, it was meant for those people who watched TV or produce TV. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think you can both be accurate in that it, I do agree that it was at least even what I saw of it was uh, the driest part, but that's is still a necessary part to your, to your point, Drew. Um, like it, I definitely have seen some analysis of this. That's all over the place. I, again, they didn't give pricing, so it's kind of hard to tell um, where this falls on things, but it seemed like they have a fair amount of content that's going to be available. If not on day one, that at least in, you know, the pretty early months, uh, maybe the first season, if we want to call it that. Uh, my eye went to the Jason Momoa um, sci-fi-ish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There uh, people in the future and some catastrophe has happened and people are blind and people are wondering if the legends are true that people used to be able to see. Uh, that seems like an interesting premise. The uh, the other stuff seems pretty cool too. Um, I'm not sure that it's uh, necessarily 
necessarily um, fair to go on Apple on on a couple of different angles I've seen of, uh, you know, well, you know, Netflix has more. It's like, yeah, Netflix has been around for many years. I mean, <laughs> you got to start somewhere, right? They're not going to match Netflix's um, oh, Apple's, back catalog. Apple's going to blow a lot of money on this for the first few years. This is the kind of thing that you're piling money into and it's not going to it's not going to turn you that profit for the first couple of years. So they've got to really slam it hard with good quality production or it's going to fizzle really badly in the first few years. Oh, absolutely. And the other sort of criticism I saw is like, well, it's a lot of like the same voices we've seen. Where are the new voices? I'm like, you can't start with new voices. People need to see Spielberg and Oprah for heaven's sake. They need to make sure they understand that quality content is coming here for whatever that price is per month. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very hopeful we should be critical if Apple doesn't expand it beyond there, but I would absolutely lead with the stars of the show. They had right? the one slide that had like 75, 100 more names on it. So it looks mm-hmm. like they've got a lot in a pipeline at this point. True. And and the other thing too, is that we mentioned this on Spotcast before that, that um, when television shows are pitched, like they're like these big, big uh, conventions they have down in LA and places like that, where um, people come from around the world to buy the rights to show particular TV shows. Right. And, and so CBS and, you know, ABC and, and, and space TV here in Canada and city TV and CB and CBC will all be in this one room. And I'm sure Apple's going to be at that table and, you know, with the, with the money they have to, to pay for things, they're probably going to get some exclusive, uh, exclusive rights to show. So, so we'll see what, what happens, how that plays out. Right. It's always been a challenge with us, with television. We don't get the same TV channels you get. We, you know, we have all the star Wars is on our Netflix, but it's not on yours, you know, kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what, what Apple's, you know, buying power brings to their, brings to their platform. Yeah. Netflix original just means that Netflix paid the best price for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, I don't know if it's something I'm going to subscribe to without seeing what the, um, you know, what the schedule, the programming schedule looks like. I need no pricing, but something that does make me very curious and interested is the fact that it's not exclusive to Apple devices. There is going to be an Apple TV app on the Roku and Mm -hmm. Amazon Fire TV. And and also I think some select smart TVs by like LG and Samsung, if I'm not mistaken. I was going to say, and and if you remember, that's what basically sold the iPod was once they put iTunes on Windows, right? All of a sudden, they opened up the market to a huge audience, right? It wasn't right, just right. for Macs. I was surprised that they decided to contract in with Samsung, knowing their wonderful relationship over phones. <laughs> it's it's sort of a TVs. weird... Yeah, that's true, yeah. A weird frenemy relationship they have with a lot of these other companies. Um, I, I think the one thing that I want to dispel a little bit, and I'm not, you know, like as I just said, I'm not necessarily sold on this. I don't know if I'm going to, but I, I, I'm going to mark myself as a strong TVD. Folks are going to like, well, how can this launch? I'm like, do you not live in the United States? Do, do you not know the history of CBS All Access? It has 4 million subscribers and it started mm-hmm. out with one show. Yes, it has like two now because there is the good fight that people um, like. Uh, but let's be really clear. They started out with Star Trek Discovery and they were able to build a streaming service off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fairly certain that Apple can build a reasonably successful uh, streaming service off of the multitude of different shows and documentaries and movies that they're going to have for this thing. So I have no doubts about that. I don't know if any of it's going to be good. DC Comics also having the same luck. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a there's a battle brewing for sure, right? Disney has by far uh, a lot of content with Star Wars and, you know, the Disney Animation Archives and Marvel and stuff. And it, that's why I said, you know, collect them all. Collect all the streaming services. Um, I don't know it, where Apple will fall in that pecking order, but I, I don't believe that they'll... I don't think it'll be a flop is my main point. You wanted your cable a la carte. 
now you're getting your cable a la carte, whether you wanted it that way or not. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen what Apple will do with this. I don't think, uh, you know, we've seen some products come and go with them or some services come and go. But, yeah, lately they've been they've been uh, hitting them out of the park. So who knows? Who knows? So before we move to our picks, uh, Drew, you have one one thing here in the uh, yep. main piece about the EKG? Because I know you guys have been talking about the EKG ECG feature on the uh, on the phone. And, and sure, sure enough, we get to say it's not going to be in, in 30 countries and not Canada. Uh, they passed regulation <laughs> through, I guess, the EU has one base regulation for the entire uh, European Union. So they're going to be opening up to most of the European countries and the UK, whether or not that's a European country or not. Stay tuned. Uh, but, you know, France, Finland, Germany, Greece, Guam, they're all going to be getting it. It's also going to be showing up in Hong Kong. Uh, it's going to be showing up in Switzerland, Sweden. They're opening it up in the Virgin Islands as well. My guess is that with this one, it really is a question that they are trying to spread to as many countries as they can, but they need to get the regulatory permission. And I you know, I would say that the, Can- the Canadian uh, regulatory requirements just may be more stringent, and they may have to go through more hoops to prove that what they're doing is acceptable. That's Health Canada, by the way, for those of you driving at home. Um, yeah, we're waiting to see. I mean, I bought my, I bought my iPhone Series 4 for, for that feature alone. Do you use it, uh, Drew? Yeah, I do. But then again... Uh, as, how, do, as, how, do you, how do you enable it? Do you hold it? I know you have something to do with the digital crown or something like that, right? First, you go into the Apple Watch app and you turn that thing on. I think you uh, actually turn it on through the health app. But oh, okay. you, you basically have to turn it on through the phone uh, to, uh, to uh, enable it. But I can say that, you know, I travel quite frequently between Pittsburgh and Toronto. And, you know, it, it doesn't shut off while I'm in Canada. It's just a question of where you can where you enable it. And I guess that also is where your your ID is currently registered. Right, right. Okay, cool. Well, we'll look forward to that in Canada at some point. But yeah, for those of you in Europe, you get to try it out, which is cool. Alrighty, so let's go around the table as we usually do and let's look at our picks. And so Jaime, you have a pick? I do. Um, the iOS Con conference just took place in, I want to say it's, yes, London, not that long ago, actually. I think it was like last week and they already have yeah. many, if not all of these sessions, uh, session videos up on their website. I've linked that on their, their program site. Uh, there's a little bit of a catch. It's a very, very small wall that you have to have an account and be logged in to do so. I'm not going to say you should do this because I am not a lawyer, but I sure do believe it is very easy to just mash in garbage <laughs> to create an account and sign in. And you too can be watching uh, keynote decisions by uh, John Sundell or one that's on my list that is uh, 30 Xcode tips in 45 minutes by Sean Allen and, and many more, many more uh, familiar faces and some new faces in here. But yeah, I think Ellen Shapiro was designated on Twitter was was uh, at the conference and she kept tweeting out some stuff. So um, yeah, I was looking forward to, to seeing what, what uh, came out of that. It looked some, like some pretty interesting sessions. I look forward to that one. So my, my first pick here is uh, the Swift Programming Guide has been updated. That's the book that we all got when Swift was first announced back in 2014. Uh, we all scrambled over to the iBook store to buy this uh, Swift Programming Guide. Well, the fifth edition came out just uh, last couple of days or so. We've got a link in the show notes here. So if you want to go back and check and see and reread the book with uh, written for Swift 5, you can you can now do that and get a bit uh, bit of Apple's perspective on it. And sort of tying in with that one too is um, the Ray Fix over at the Ray Wenderlich site has updated. If you're a subscriber to the uh, video uh, content over there, he's uh, published, uh, um, I think, sort of an updated version of his advanced Swift course focusing on uh, project protocol-oriented programming. So the first couple of videos he goes through, like, you know, how basically classes work with polymorphism with, you 
know, subclassing and all that kind of stuff. And then he talks about how to do all that uh, same kind of procedure with um, with protocol-oriented programming. So uh, interesting series um, just come out. So I started watching that today. And uh, that's those are my two picks. Links in the show notes. Mark, do you have a pick? I do have a pick. It's kind of a follow-up. Uh, I remember last summer after WBC, I was saying that one of my favorite talks from, from that uh, conference was the one that was an introduction to the network framework that Apple had just introduced. And this is a, a low-lying framework, low-level framework uh, that really sits underneath things like URL session and all the all the higher-level uh, networking frameworks that are available in iOS. Uh, so after all this time, I've actually had a chance to use it now. And I got to say, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty low-level. I mean, it's at the level of sockets, if you've ever used those things, where, where you basically set up a, uh, a, a just a, a very low-level network connection between two endpoints, you know, I you know IP address and a port on one machine to another machine, and then you can just send data back and forth, you know, bytes in between without necessarily uh, worrying about exactly what uh, type of protocol you're using. And sometimes you might have a, a reason for doing that. I mean, mo- most of the time you'll want to use a higher level one like URL session. But if you ever have the need to do some low level networking programming, uh, this is pretty amazing how well it works and how much easier it is to use than, say, a socket, which requires using some cryptic old uh, C routines to set it up. And just as an example of something you can do, if you, you can you can set up a listener, what's called an NW listener, uh, at some port, and then from your app, you open up a URL session uh, to that IP address and port, and the listener will respond and lets you create a connection. And then you can actually just see all the bytes that are coming in from that. So you don't have to go through the whole, uh, you know, standard HTTP kind of uh, um, uh, set of of, of uh, functions to, to look at your request and your response in a very specific way. You can actually see the raw data that's being sent back and forth. That's just one example of what you can do with this thing. So again, uh, not for everyday use necessarily, but if you ever have a need to do low-level network programming, it's pretty amazing what you do with this stuff. Cool. All right. Drew, do you have any, uh, any picks for us? Actually, yeah. Now that uh, the 12.2 has released to everybody and the event is over, they're immediately moving forward. 12.3 is now out for beta in iOS. It's also available in all the other devices as well. And the two interesting things is that the wallet is now showing that slightly higher amount of detail for transactions. And the new TV app, as was shown, is now in iOS and tvOS. So you can get your first look at how that's shaping up. And I believe the Apple channels are a little more obvious now. So you can see how that's beginning to shape up and shake down. Cool. By the way, just uh, I don't know if you guys have... I, I use the Apple TV remote app on my phone, but a friend of mine was pointing out to me that I guess the control center has an Apple TV icon. And in, I think you guys... I've got the older version of it, but I think you guys have updated your phones to 12... Two, I think, right? Yeah, they changed um, it. If you check, yeah. yeah, if you check out, if you pull down the control center and click on the Apple TV app that's on there, it's much more like the big remote, the smart remote, right? Oh yeah, there it is. Using yeah. the full the full screen of the iPhone. I also discovered in twelve two your oh. Apple Care status is now in the general preferences. Really? Yeah, if you have Apple Care hmm. Plus for your device and you go into uh, general preferences, uh, you should see your Apple Care expiration. This is under settings general. Settings general. But do you have to go into your account or? 
No, it's like click on your name. It's on the about for the phone in settings general. At least it is on on mine, and uh, I've oh, had I that see. for twelve okay. two. Right. Interesting. I think that's a really nice addition there because you're always wondering, oh, how much time do I have left? And it's really a bit of a pain to go to support.apple.com to look that information up. So if that's on your device, it's it's definitely much clearer. And that I noticed came in with twelve two in one of the betas. All right. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. So hey, hi me if people want to get in touch with you, how they do that. I'm on Twitter as at Dev with a hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. Mark Burr at smapsoft.com. And Drew, if people want to get in touch with you. They can find me on Twitter or just about any other internet site at Lord Andre, L-O-R-D-A-N-D-R-E-I. All righty. And my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next week, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. That's it. End scene, as we like to say at the end of the show. That's where we cut in the music. No bombs and sirens, though, on this one. <laughs> Drew, were you on roundabout? Is that why he's, Is that why he's, Tim's mentioning that? Sorry, for which? I saw, oh, so, uh, Tim, I assume you were making a reference to roundabout, roundabout where yeah. the yeah. after show has the um, the like air raid sirens. That's because of the, the impending zombie apocalypse? Yes, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think so, yeah. 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 Is she actually using the, the strange voiceover I did? Um, on your episode she did but she hasn't used it since so yeah did you listen to your episode yeah yeah drew was on three people ago four people if you're by the time this comes out so yeah he was just before sean allen and and uh, john sundell so right after forgotten drews right after max fleischer's grandson well that's true yeah yeah <laughs> you're kind of sandwiched in there you know I, yeah. I i i listened to the show a couple of episodes before i was on it and it was just like his, his answer to the zombie apocalypse was binge watching the waltons and i was like well there's an answer for you uh-huh, uh-huh. i apologize yeah. if i talked over people or or didn't you know if i interrupted and such no no okay. you're great oh, you fit the way we roll, roll. Uh, yeah, that's uh, right we fixed that in post Tim knows my current situation. You two don't. And that is the reason I say I'm in Pittsburgh this week is I'm in the process of trying to em- to, to emigrate to Canada. Oh, oh really? Getting to Canada? Uh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually have a job waiting for me in Toronto. I just did the second phase of, of uh, paperwork for my visa. So I'm currently on hold for my work visa. And once that gets through, I have a place in Ajax, which is about half an hour east of, uh, uh, of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And... Okay, yeah.
And then I look forward to seeing how I change over all of my Apple stuff and learn all about where my television shows have gone to. And, and you have to start saying sorry a lot more. Sorry. I actually, sorry. I do that by accident now when I'm up there and, and, and my girlfriend mocks me. She's like, you're really trying to go native, aren't you? <laughs> and you, and you, of course, say, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Some brand new internet service providers to yell at. You have to change the way you say Java, too. Java? <laughs> yeah. But Java, it's Java. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm an iOS guy. I don't do Java. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, it's funny. Jaime was, was saying a couple of weeks ago that people were asking him if he was Canadian because I guess he's been hanging around with me too long. Yeah, between like you and Greg and for a time, uh, Aaron, like I picked up enough, just enough, yeah. enough of the, of the accent that people will, will call me out on it sometimes. Now, which, of you two are, which of you two are in San Diego or are you in San Jose? I'm in San Jose. Oh, okay. Mark. Yeah. And up, up, up in uh, Seattle. Seattle area. Whereabouts? Uh, north of Seattle in, in Everett, closer to, to where no, Boeing is. Roughly. When I lived in Seattle, I was in Snohomish. Okay. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Snohomish County and you were in Snohomish itself. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was right on. I, I, I was literally off the front road. Cool. So you, yeah, you know, I, 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 worked, I, I worked for that little software company in Redmond for a while. I've heard of them. They make airplanes, yeah, right? I was, on, <laughs> I, was <laughs> on the, uh, I was on the back office team. Oh, interesting. So you probably know Olaf Pellman then, if that's the case. Oh yeah. I know Olaf. Olaf's oh. great. Right. Cool. I'll, I'll bedazzle him with that particular tidbit. Like, hey, guess who I talked to? Guess who was on the show? <laughs> Actually, Olaf and I went back further than Microsoft. We were both at uh, MacHack the same year, oh. which is uh, a piece of history that most people don't even remember anymore. What was that about? MacHack was a three-day conference that started Thursday at midnight with the keynote. It then went for 72 hours. You could sleep if you wanted to, but you'd miss all the fun. And the entire purpose of the con was to deliver a, a couple of radical papers and to work on a hack that you started while you were at the con to do the most useless and pointless thing <laughs> on a Mac. Now, this was back in the pre-OS 10 days, so it was a lot of swizzling the A-traps, and the best hacks would actually get a branded A-trap mousetrap. Mm. And uh, during the, uh, during the um, oh, what's it called, the, uh, the, uh, the dinner on the last night, everybody would show off their hacks, and you had to like scream things like, two years useful and uh there was a uh, two categories that were adults and utes utes yeah, were named my cousin from, uh, vinny. Utes. yeah from my cousin vinny and I, I will never forget this 14 year old girl who had hacked the text presenter a trap so that anything that was ever writing text if it was a blob of text it would alphabetize the text <laughs> and brought up the finder and everything on the finder was alphabetized you had the file menu was efil the edit menu was d EIT. And then I looked at the right and I said, oh my God, the clock is alphabetizing in real time. Hmm, wow. Most useless hacks you could imagine, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I was at an Apple event once and this, the guy whose actual email address is tim at apple.com, not Tim Cook. And he was talking about the useless tricks you could do on a, on a Mac. And one of them was he, he wrote, he had this Apple script that would open every file on your computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. That's an, that's an RM slash. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Is it? Or open dot or whatever. Yeah. Or Steve Heyman, who's a friend of ours on the show, like friend of the show, he works for Apple. And I was at a thing with him and we were doing, what was that thing you could do where you could actually um, message each other's computers? It was like a, like 
PCB talk? Huh? No, it was later than that. It was like it was like um, I think it was iChat. You could you could chat with each other on the network, and you get these little bubbles oh, that pop up. Over, um, oh, I forgot what it used to be called. When it was Bonjour, and then it became Rendezvous, which became Bonjour, and you could actually yeah do something that was like Zephyr. Who said Zephyr? I said Zephyr. What yeah. college did you go to? MIT. Okay. <laughs> I was a CMU groupie. Yeah. You either had to be CMU or MIT to know what, Zephyr, know what was. Zephyr was. Yeah. Yeah. Way before it's time. Yeah. Anyway, this this is like it would pop up a little banner. So he wrote an Apple script and had us all run it that would basically um, reply to whatever you said with I know you are, but what am I? Right. <laughs> so so then we had 500 people in the conference. All everybody's Mac was saying, you know, saying in full, full volume, I know you are, but what am I? And just completely repeating that to each other over and over again. In the Pee Wee Herman voice? Uh, no, just the Mac Mac voice, the Mac and Mac and talk voice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah lots of fun. Those were the days when Apple was fun. Back when you could watch extensions march across the screen in its startup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could strike fear into the heart of anybody by saying suitcase. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I was a publisher, so I used suitcase every single day. You just had to get used mm. to it. Font management. Yeah. Now we just have font book. Every now and then I have to install new fonts in my in my font book for uh, which people probably don't even know about anymore, right? But no, it's still there. When I, I do actually use stuff, yeah, I have to pop. I have to open up font book and pop it in and restart Photoshop because my Photoshop's old. I uh, I had to use font book this past week because uh, I'm doing an app that has the Chinese I Ching, and I had to find the font that actually had the I Ching in it so I could add that TTF into my iOS app. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think the only time I've used that is when I added the Fira or Fira code. I don't know how it's pronounced. It has all these oh, for your features uh, for programming. Yeah, I use it in Xcode, and that's how I install it. Really? The, font, the new social network that everybody's talking about. Font book. <laughs> font book. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all the cool kids are using, yeah. Yeah. My avatar is an AE glyph. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, Drew, thanks for coming on the show. I'm glad you, you survived your, your very first show oh. with us. Yeah, he did say he wanted to get into more podcasting. That was his first mistake, right? Yep. Just throw him right, in, right into the, the deep end with us, huh? <laughs> the loony yeah. bin. So what's happening with you next Friday? Or sorry, Wednesday, Hummy? You're coming? I, will, coming? I will not be coming because I'll be at Code Mobile UK. And that'll oh, be... Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Because of the time change, I'll actually be in sessions at that point. And I think I might be pretty close to presenting at that time. I was going to present on Thursday, but I think they've moved me to Wednesday. So Right. Okay. Because in the notes, you had possibly not been able to show up. So definitely... Well, because I thought I, I thought the time zone difference would be... Oh, like, yeah, doubtful, doubtful. And that I would luck out and, and have it really early or really late or something. But no, it's like smack in the middle of the day. Yeah. This is this is like... Isn't this like... Oh, it's in the middle of the day? I thought it would be like... Oh, we, no. Uh, not yeah. middle of the day. Uh, it's like smack middle of the morning. Yeah, we are in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Tammy and I occasionally interview people from the UK and we have to do like shows at like Saturday at like 11 a.m. or something like that. Right? Mm-hmm. We, had a, we had a nightmare last season doing a metal show. We had Carolyn Bigby in from uh, Australia. From Australia. I had somebody on in the UK. I had Jesse Ketterwall on in the East Coast. On the same co-host. show? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, it was yeah. crazy enough when we had Marin Todorov on when he was like in Germany or something. Yeah, and oh, it was, oh, yeah, it was the middle of the night or something. It was like right? stupidly early for him. Yeah. Well, he was, was early. He had a newborn baby, so he's up anyway. Yeah, I thought he was in. Yeah, because he comes into the states once a month now because he works at our fruit company. So. And I say I recorded episode zero yesterday, but because of the way that we're scheduling, we got uh, James Dempsey and the Breakpoints coming in oh, nice. for episode one. 
it's not going to be until after the next two episodes of empty uh, does it. So I'm going to wind up doing a whole bunch of your episodes before I even get to my first episode. Oh, okay, cool. Well, you know, we'll get the word out there. Um, can you tell us who your new host is? We won't publish it. Oh, it, it's, it's actually on the site now. If you look at, uh, oh, okay. at the info, uh, Jen Bailey. Okay. I don't know that person. She's, uh, she's predominantly an Android person. She's working on Ray's video editing team. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, she's, uh, she teaches, uh, at Ames community college. So she's, so we actually have a, uh, a, um, an Android centric person hmm. and we're going to do in the live cast again this year after WWDC and Google IO. Right. Cool. Uh, yeah. More and more Android stuff. We had, uh, the Android lead guy on, um, on, uh, last week, I think it was right on, on roundabout. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, folks. Anyways, way past my bedtime. So yeah. I guess we'll talk to you guys next week. We'll see Drew next week and Mark next week and Jaime in two weeks, I guess. Right. Yep. Thanks for coming up. Yeah. Two weeks. All right. Talk to you guys later. All right. Thank you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.